This week in KMA Land, we look back at some big events that happened in KMA Land in 2022 as part of our Project 2022 series. Good morning, I'm Ryan Matheny in for the vacationing Mike Peterson as we put a bow on the year that was 2022. We start with a look back at some significant severe weather events in KMA Land during the last year, including some tornadoes that struck the area on March 5th. Mike Peterson reports. Less than three months after the December 15, 2021 derecho hammered KMA land, the 2022 severe storm season got off to an early start on March 5th with turbulent, tragic weather. Shortly after two that afternoon, strong thunderstorms fired up in the region, placing most of the area under a tornado watch. Clint Edgar is meteorologist with the Weather Services Valley, Nebraska office. Edgar told KMA News that day the traumatic weather featuring tornadoes and strong thunderstorms developed as expected. It really panned out kind of how we thought. We were just kind of on the very western fringes of the of the greatest threat. We had a few severe thunderstorm warnings and some tornado warnings in our area. Um, and then everything kind of moved east into Des Moines area. Page County was among those under the gun. Then Page County Emergency Management Coordinator Chris Griebert told KMA News funnel clouds were sighted in the northern portion of the county. Well, from what I saw out spotting around, we saw uh, just some pea-sized hail. Uh, some uh, real brief heavy rains came through. Uh, we did have some spotters out by Essex. and did see some funnel clouds and some rotation up that way. Uh, did not see anything on the ground or have any damage reports of damage anywhere around there. But the storm, like I said, went through really fast, so it was a good thing for us. That same storm system touched off severe thunderstorm and tornado warnings in Montgomery County. Severe weather then moved into Adams and Union counties before entering Madison County, where it unleashed its full fury. An EF4 tornado tore through rural areas south of Winterset, killing six people and damaging more than 50 homes. An emotional Governor Kim Reynolds praised the hundreds of volunteers who showed up to help in the aftermath of the tornado. It's just unbelievable. I tried to walk through and thank them for being there, and over and over the response was, we're Iowans, and that's what we do. The governor issued a state disaster proclamation for Madison County, as well as six other counties touched by severe weather. An additional death was reported at Rehaw State Park in Sheraton, bringing the storm's death toll to eight. Another major bout with severe weather took place on June 7th. While awaiting primary results, residents contended with a series of severe storms that whipped through a good portion of southwest Iowa, southeast Nebraska, and northwest Missouri. Perhaps the worst damage was in Union County, where high winds and perhaps one tornado hammered trees and structures in and around the Creston area. Union County Emergency Management Coordinator Joanne Duckworth told KMA News her county was placed under a tornado warning at around 7.45 that evening, after a twister was spotted near Orient in Adair County. Then activity moved closer to Creston. About 8.10 or so p.m., we saw some activity up around Green Valley Lake. The campground had already been uh, evacuated, and those folks uh, were taken to safety. So um, that's really when it started in our county was just north and east of Green Valley Lake, and then it moved through our county. Duckworth says her phone rang off the hook the next morning with calls regarding storm damage in rural parts of the county. Additionally, trees and structures suffered considerable damage along a northeast corridor of Creston. Well, we had a lot of tree damage, and, and a lot of those trees fell on homes. Uh, sheds uh, were, were damaged. Uh, some of them were completely destroyed. Um, so... Uh, yeah, it's just um, the kind of damage that you normally see with a storm that's got um, high 
Hot temperatures and an unstable atmosphere generated another major event in the late evening hours of June 15th. The National Weather Service office in Valley confirmed the touchdown of two EF-1 tornadoes, including one in Cass County, Nebraska, north of Murdoch, and south-central Pottawatomie County, just three miles away south of Trainer. According to Pottawatomie County Emergency Management Coordinator Doug Reed, the twister brought winds up to 100 miles per hour. Reed says the damage included major structure damage to the Prairie Crossing Vineyard and Winery near Trainer, which he says was the epicenter of the tornado that dropped for nearly two miles. A lot of things that we saw ahead and, and, and after uh, kind of the, the area of the winery, a lot of uh, trees kind of snapped off at the higher levels, about a half dozen or so power poles that were snapped off or damaged, uh, a lot of tree debris uh, and, and issues like that. And KMA Land residents received the first taste of winter on November 29th when a mini ice storm with high winds knocked out power to some 13,500 Mid-American Energy customers for several hours. Thank you, Mike. Also, 2022 was a big year for the city of Shenandoah with several large projects either getting started or being completed. Once again, we hear about it from Mike Peterson. Shenandoah officials will remember 2022 as one of unparalleled growth with developments in at least four major projects. In May, Green Plains officials announced plans for a $50 million expansion to the company's Shenandoah plant and 12 additional jobs. During an earning conference call for the first quarter of 2022, Green Plains President and CEO Todd Becker announced the company has picked Shenandoah to be the first site of its clean sugar technology. Patented by Fluid Quip Technologies, which is owned by Green Plains, CST produces low-cost dextrose and fructose through a dry milling technique and provides another product that can be produced by the existing facility. This will benefit the project development to make Shenandoah our first fully developed biorefinery platform of the future complete with protein and sugar operations at a dry mill. This 30,000 bushel per day grind capacity glucose dextrose system or de and dextrose system will be uniquely positioned to add significant value and demonstrate the possibilities for future development of this initiative. One month earlier, the Iowa Economic Development Authority announced the project was awarded a $250,000 forgivable loan. Additionally, IEDA agreed to give a rebate on sales tax for construction of the building, and the Shenandoah Chamber and Industry Association donated 25 acres of land for the expansion. Ski Executive Vice President Greg Connell said the announcement was a positive one for the city and could lead to more projects associated with clean sugar technology. You know, we've got a great staff out here. The city's always been very supportive of Green Plains. And, and you know, this project will be about a $50 million construction project. Uh, there'll be 12 jobs with it. We're obviously excited about that, but we're also very excited about the potential for downstream partners that would uh, locate in Shenandoah and use products uh, from the clean sugar technology for additional products. Groundbreaking took place in November. Plans call for the project to be operational next year. 2022 was also the year when the site of an old skating rink was transformed into a future credit union. Groundbreaking was held in May for Community First Credit Union's new facility at 603 South Fremont Street along U.S. Highway 59. Greg Hanshaw is Community First Credit Union's president and CEO. Hanshaw told KMA News the Atoma-based credit union saw Shenandoah fit the bill for their expansion into southwest Iowa for several reasons. Shenandoah rose to the top pretty quickly once we started looking. 
um, for a lot of reasons, one of which is there, there weren't any credit unions other than uh, the credit union that merged with us, which was a very small business here in town and, and didn't have an open membership. So community first coming into town means we can open up credit union membership to everyone. And renewed efforts to restore what many Shenandoah residents call an eyesore were announced in June. Margaret Brady, owner of Malosia LLC, detailed plans to restore the venerable, vacant Johnson Brothers Mill building into a warehouse and workshop to store rescued building materials for later use. Under Brady's plan, the warehouse would occupy the top two floors with a workshop and office on the second floor. Plans called for placing an event center and retail business on the bottom floor. Brady said the first task involved removing materials that had accumulated in the building over the years. So I always think that that's good for our town. Anytime you see positive growth, whether it's a house or whether it's a big building, if you can make it look better, everybody else thinks they can do a little better on theirs too. Estimates place the renovation cost at more than $502,000. One financial shot of the arm came later that month when the Johnson family made a sizable donation toward the project's cost. Norrell Johnson, an Essex native now living in Highlands Ranch, Colorado, made the presentation on behalf of his family, saying it searched for a meaningful way to rectify its lingering, not-so-positive impact. Fortunately, through some insightful and talented and experienced people from this community, we believe we have found a way to help make that happen. Therefore, I am very pleased on behalf of the Johnson family to make this donation of over $165,000 to the city of Shenandoah for betterment of this wonderful community. Shenandoah City Council in December approved development agreements for all three of the aforementioned projects, plus one that had been delayed for several months. But in December, work finally began at North Star Housing's LLC Shenandoah Senior Villas apartment complex, the proposed 40-unit structure for residents aged 55 and older. Demolition of an old gas station in the complex's future site at 1401 West Sheridan Avenue was the project's first step. In an interview with KMA News, North Star Housing Principal Andrew Danner thanked the city, Ski Executive Vice President Greg Connell, and Shenandoah Mayor Roger McQueen for their support. We're excited to start and finish our first project here in uh, the state of Iowa and look forward to getting this open for the seniors in the community to hopefully open up some other households uh, for some families to move in behind them. Uh, we think uh, the city of Shenandoah has done a great job in growing their community and getting lots of jobs and making this an attractive place to bring investment to. Again, that's Mike Peterson taking a look back at the year that was in Shenandoah, a very large year for the city. Still to come on this week in KMA land, we'll take a look back at the year that was in Page County Projects as well as take a look at developments in some other area KMA land communities. That's all coming up on This Week in KMA Land. Welcome back to This Week in KMA Land. Page County saw its fair share of projects get going in the new year as well. Let's hear about those with Ethan Hewitt. Wind energy discussions may have been the most considerable development out of Page County in 2022. Still, several proposed and executed projects and significant personnel changes were also abound for the Page County Board of Supervisors. Well, after the results of a jail study in late 2021 conducted by Samuels Group revealed its unsatisfactory conditions for workers and inmates at the current county jail, the board set out to find a new possible location. Well, in May, Greg Wild, a business development manager with Samuels Group, said a new jail and sheriff's office alone would cost the county roughly $12.5 million and a bond issue for the voters to decide on. 
However, that cost could vary depending on other additions they wish to include, such as space for 911 and dispatch, emergency management, or the Clorinda Police Department. If you were to add the cost of all those county proposed areas, 911 and emergency management into that, it adds just over uh, $2 million, so it would get you to um, 15.2. And then if you were to add the Clorinda Police Department, it's just under $2 million. So somewhere between 12 and a half to 17 and a half million dollars. However, Supervisor Jacob Holmes had also favored constructing just a jail, which Wild projected to cost around $9.4 million and still utilize the office space at the current sheriff's office. Well, after deciding to formulate the cost of shutting down the current jail internally, the board moved to pursue phase two or the schematic and design phase of a new jail with Samuels Group for $25,000 in June. From there, discussions have shifted to the possible 5 to 10 acre site of the new structure. Well, in addition, Holmes says Wild has been looking deeper into the possibilities of the current county farm just south of Clarenda. He's going to put together some uh, drawings and figures based on what we have at this time. The only thing that's feasible, there's a couple options at the county farm. Currently, that is the only viable thing we had right now to even do figures on. We tried lots of other things, but that is where it is right now. Well, the county's jail committee has also considered several locations, including land along Highway 2 near the Page County landfill west of Clarenda and a closed-down lodge southwest of the former Clarenda Mental Health Institute. Late last month, Shenandoah City Administrator A.J. Lyman and Mayor Roger McQueen also asked for the board to ensure they are included in the discussions for the jail moving forward and urged the county to look into a more central location. However, formal decisions have yet to be made on the site or rendition of the facility the county will pursue. Well, also in 2022, the board took major steps on a significant window replacement project on the county courthouse after unanimously tabbing Fine and Sons out of Clorinda for the over $700,000 project after they accepted all additional upgrades. Well, the project encompasses replacing nearly all of the courthouse's windows. Well, Supervisor Chair Alan Armstrong felt it essential to include the upgrades, such as the basement windows, to keep everything up to date. I think it would be kind of backwards if we weren't going to replace all the windows. Mm -hmm. And I, I think there could be a security risk down the road and, and just I think they probably should be done at the same time because they, they're bound to collect more issues with weathering down there mm -hmm. than the upper ones. Well, the replacement effort is expected to wrap up in May 2023 to allow for extended wait times on windows with American Rescue Plan Act funds covering the project's cost. Well, 2022 also saw one of the county's more extensive road resurfacing projects in recent years. Well, over the summer, construction season, crews with mid-state reclamations performed cold-in-place recycling work to a nearly 11-mile stretch of O Avenue, or, or the Stanton Road, from Highway 2 north to the Page-Montgomery County line. Well, Henningsen Construction followed shortly after with a new layer of asphalt on the over $3 million project. Well, before the project's onset, County Engineer J.D. King said the project was the first in the county to utilize cold-in-place recycling. Basically, it's a method of rehabilitation of a, an older asphalt where we come in with a big mill, grind up one lane at a time, run it through a, a screen and a crusher, and, and make sure that uh, particle size are where we want, probably inch and a half 
minus. Well, initial work wrapped up on the fresh asphalt in the late summer. However, after some residents expressed concerns over the end of project detail in August, crews with heading soon eventually milled down the final 300-foot stretch along with bleed spots along the surface in October to align with the project details. Well, Page County also saw a change in the guard in at least two prominent departments this year. Well, the first came in the Public Health Department after Administrator Jess Erdman, Tobacco Prevention Coordinator Rhonda Griebert, and Maternal Child Health Coordinator Amy Beal put in their letters of resignation in April. Well, after a nearly month-long search process, Richard Mullen was selected as the new administrator, who told KMA News in August he was beginning to settle into his new role. First couple uh, weeks for Rocky, just like any new position anybody starts, um, but I've fallen into it and really starting to understand on a community level how important it is to get information out there as quickly as possible. Now what people do with that information is totally up to them, but you know, being very transparent with the health care needs and the health care concerns within, within Page County. Well, Candace Engstrand was also hired as the new Tobacco Services Coordinator for the Public Health Agency. Well, the county's next significant opening came after Emergency Management Agency Coordinator Chris Griebert submitted his resignation in May after just over five years on the job. However, the county took its time filling the position and rearranged duties to allow for more grant-seeking opportunities and lighten a hefty load for Griebert's successor. It wouldn't be until September when the EMA Commission approved hiring Jill Harvey, who comes to the county from Phelps County, Nebraska. Harvey told KMA News she looked at the Page County position as an opportunity to expand her knowledge and experiences in emergency management. It's an opportunity where I could use the training I've had. I do have some family in Iowa that it would move us closer to them, get to see them a little bit. Um, but mostly just an opportunity to expand on my training and serve people in a new area. Well, Harvey officially took over the EMA director duties in late October. Well, Page County was not the only place that saw significant developments in 2022. Finally, we used our Project 2022 series to take a look back at some of the developments in other KMA land communities throughout the year. Ethan Hewitt brings us up to speed on the year that was in several KMA land communities. 2022 was a roller coaster year for several communities and city councils throughout KMA land with the completion of expansive infrastructure projects to the changing of the gardens some of their top administrative positions. One of the more recent developments came in the city of Red Oak when early last month, longtime city administrator Brad Wright and city clerk Mary Bolton submitted their letters of retirement after a combined nearly 60 years of service to the community. Well, the Red Oak City Council recognized Wright and Bolton for their service at one of their final meetings in late November. Well, following their recognition, Wright shared his appreciation for the team that had come to work like a well-oiled machine over the years, mainly due to a strong working relationship with Bolton and what he says is many top-notch staff. We've always joked and we've, I think we can annoy each other, but the relationship we've had, being able to work together, I appreciate the department heads. We've got a team that I hope you guys appreciate and I hope this community appreciates. Again, we've got a crew and a team that uh, doesn't matter what the job is, doesn't matter what the limitations of our resources is, uh, everybody ties them together and gets a job. Well, due to the budget process needing to get underway as soon as possible, the council then tabbed Al Vacanti with Al Vacanti Municipal Services as the interim administrator and clerk. Well, Vacanti says he served as a city clerk and administrator in Nebraska for roughly 14 years in various communities before retiring in 2019 and creating his consultant business. Well, after his hiring to the interim role, Vacanti told KMA News he had already established connections with some of the city staff and looked forward to guiding the city through an essential time of year. It may be a, a three-month deal that I hope to build some good relationships with these people. and Hopefully when I walk out, uh, everybody says, hey, this, this worked out well for, 
for the city of Red Oak and the people and the businesses here. Well, in the meantime, the council has already put out a job opening for the city clerk position and hopes to decide next month on a search firm to assist in finding a permanent successor to the city administrator role. Well, the council has also taken up various community betterment projects in the past year, including the Community Heart and Soul Program and a Housing Readiness Assessment Program. Well, meanwhile, in Fremont County, a long-awaited day came in the city of Sydney in June when the city was able to switch over to its new water system, including a new water plant, tower, and well field. Well, planning for the major infrastructure project dated back to 2018, and construction had been ongoing for nearly two years. Well, following a Sydney City Council meeting in June, City Engineer Steve Perry told KMA News they would still need to make final tweaks as the system came online. We're in the process of doing some adjustments, you know, as the, the system uh, continues to, to, to work and uh, we make sure that it's working as, as it designs and meets the demands there for the city of Sydney. Well, as of late October, Perry says crews were wrapping up the final upgrades to the system, including replacing the water meters in town. Well, speaking of infrastructure projects, the city of Clarenda took great strides in completing a new water treatment plant. On October, city manager Gary McLarnon told KMA News the city was down to roughly the last $50,000 in retainage for the project, which, with just some punch list items remaining on the new facility. Some of the doors uh, weren't sealed as, as tightly as they wanted them to be sealed, so they're working on that. Uh, there's some software issues with some of the software um, that they're utilizing. Um, on it, there was a couple of small leaks uh, that they were working on in the roof. So it's really overall just minor stuff that they're working on right now. Well, McLarnon had said the hope would be to complete the facility by year's end. Well, the over $15 million facility has been in the works for the past two years, with some funding coming from American Rescue Plan Act funds. Well, the city also opted to borrow from the state revolving fund to pay for most of the project. Well, another issue that has hit several communities in KMA land is staffing for EMS services. Well, that's why the Glenwood City Council approved the final reading of moving the current volunteer EMS services under the city in September. Well, following the council's first approval of the first reading in July, Glenwood Fire Chief Matt Gray says recruitment and retention have been difficult without, without solid pay and benefits, including full-time positions. The council of us in Omaha being close by, uh, we lose a lot of our EMTs, our firefighter EMTs and firefighter paramedics to Omaha Council Bluffs and other surrounding departments because of you know the pay and the, the benefits and um, this will kind of help bolster us up and hopefully grow it into the future. Well following the approval of a revised employee handbook to include the EMS additions, City Administrator Amber Farnan said the plan is to hire five full-time and three part-time employees along with the current volunteer staff beginning early next year. Well, the city of Stanton is also now housing what could be the future of housing in a large-scale industrial 3D printer bought by Farmers Mutual Telephone Company and developed by Alquist 3D. Well, Zach Mannheimer is the founder and CEO of Alquist 3D. Well, during a town hall with Iowa Senator Joni Ernst in Stanton in August, Mannheimer says insurance companies are looking at lowering rates due to the resiliency of the concrete homes the printer could produce. These homes don't burn. Uh, they can withstand uh, up to Category 3 hurricane. Uh, tornadoes testing is still happening, but it's believed that they can withstand that. So there's a lot of benefits, and then one of the things Kevin was alluding to in terms of cost, uh, a 3D concrete home cuts your energy bill by 50%. So much more energy efficient for the homeowner. Well, officials with FMTC estimate homes could begin being constructed by the printer as soon as 2023. 
Well, in connection to FMTC, the Stanton-based internet and technology company came up short of, in receiving funding through the USDA Reconnect 3 program, they had hoped, which they had hoped to utilize to provide fiber optics to the entire Clorinda, Redoke, Bedford, and Gravity communities, along with any unserved rural areas. But FMTC CEO Kevin Cabbage says those communities will still receive fiber eventually. However, the timeline will be much longer. In addition, we used our Project 2022 series to cover wind turbine developments in Page County. Also, carbon dioxide pipeline debates. We recapped the Iowa primary, and we also recapped the general election that occurred in KMA land. We also had KMA land reaction to national and international news, such as the war in Ukraine, the Uvalde, Texas school shooting, the Roe vs. Wade debate, and as well as hurricanes that struck the coast of Florida. And... We wrapped it up with a look at the year in education. You can find all those Project 2022 segments available at kmaland.com. Just search for that in the upper right-hand corner of the website to recap everything that was 2022 in news. That wraps up this week in KMA Land. listening each week at this time for This Week in KMA Land. And for more information all the time, log on to kmaland.com, where you can also hear this program in its entirety. Mike Peterson returns next week as we get full swing into 2023. For all of us at the KMA News staff, I'm Ryan Matheny. Have a great week and a great weekend and a great 2023.